listening to the next great small business podcast. Welcome to the SME Stories Podcast, where it is all about small businesses in Canada. And here's your host, Ken Alfred. We got a great episode today with Ken Kilday. Ken Kilday is the owner of the Leaders Cut, the Ken Kilday's Coaching Experience. So the Ken Kilday Coaching Experience is basically an executive coaching, professional speaking, and leadership consulting firm harnessing the passion and energy to inspire others to achieve leadership and excellence through human connectedness. All right, guys, we have Ken Kilday, Leaders Cut, joining us here from the United States. So as you know, most of my listeners know this is usually a Canadian podcast. So we feel very honored to have our first non-Canadian on the show, but it doesn't really matter about geographical borders. A great business story is a great business story. And that's why I always want to bring on like really interesting guests with awesome stories. So Ken, welcome. Yeah, thank you, Ken. I appreciate it. And I didn't realize I was the first United States. You are. Podcast guest. <laughs> so uh, to my two Canadian clients, I say, see, I'm, I'm here. I'm in your space. <laughs> two Canadian guests. Okay, no problem. So, all right, we will start, my friend. So Ken Kilday, Leaders Cut, what's your story? Yeah, my story is uh, about four years ago, I was in corporate America and had had a long corporate career in two different industries. And I'd reached uh, a moment um, in my role as a corporate executive. I had launched a business. I had um, built great teams that were doing great work. And I felt like there had to be something more to do. I was ready to move on to something new and challenging, et cetera. And it was actually my, my husband who said to me, well, what do you love to do? Like, what's the common thread in 30 years of working? What have you always loved? And I said, you know, I have just always been into the idea of helping people develop, helping them realize that they probably are a lot more talented than they're giving themselves credit for and tapping into that and showing them how to use it. I said, that's been the best part of business my whole life. And he says, well, there are businesses that do just that and you could start your own. And that's where I started whiteboarding, just like I would have done in a corporate job. I plotted it all out and mapped it and got to work. So it's, you got bored almost, right? So you, you were achieving a really high level already as an executive. And, and for those who haven't known, like I was going through his website, he has worked at a lot of different big time firms. I think Charles Schwab was one. I believe there's a Sorry, I can't remember off the top of my head of some of the other big places that you've worked at. Yep, Merrill Lynch, USAA. That was my financial services career. And um, prior to being in financial services, I worked a little over a decade in the retail grocery business. That's actually how I had paid for college, learned business in a pretty low profit margin type of business with one of the competitors who did it better than anyone back then. So it was a great way to learn business, but, but yeah, those are for Albertsons, which was back then a publicly traded company. It is privately held now, as I understand it, but pretty diverse um, background. It was always fun to interview where people would see the leap from grocery to financial services. It's not as different as you may think business is business. And I did have, do have a degree in accounting. So I understood the financial component of it. But um, from grocery, understanding business, to financial services, going into planning, certified financial planner, planning for people's future into business coaching, which is planning around business, there is a common thread throughout that. And that's, that's what has carried me through. So it's not as uh, zigzag as it may sound. Right, no, and I think also, too, looking on your site as well, is that you got certified as a coach back in 2013, right? So was it mm -hmm. the, your husband's idea to say, okay, you know what? You're really enjoying the development part. Maybe I should get some type of certification or some training in actual coaching. Is that what kind of brought you into getting that? What prompted that was in our business unit, we were growing quickly and we wanted to make sure we were finding the right people. And when we found the right people, we wanted to make sure they stayed inside of our organization. And so it was an organization effort back then. So um, we they brought in uh, Dr. Tim Mersony who ran the classwork for us to become certified coaches back then. And I maintained it through all the years. Uh, I used it. I used what, what Dr. Tim taught us in the growth of both as a branch leader, as a regional leader, then as an executive leader, 
I use all those principles to build those teams, to build those businesses. Wow. Okay. So currently right now, so you, how do you run your business currently? I assume there's obviously a lot of coaching and all these other services that you provide. Is it done online? Is it a hybrid model? Are you going into clients like offices? I think things are slowly starting to open now, right? So I'm, I think probably more open in the States, right? Uh, it, most certainly. And I live in the state of Arizona, which um, opened, was one of the earlier opening states. So to answer your question directly, I run a hybrid model. And part of that is based on uh, my experience at Schwab in particular, because when I worked at Schwab, they had recruited me to design this, to, to be on the team that designed, built, launched, grew a completely digital, as we call it, digitally delivered financial planning experience, which back in 2016 was not the name of the game. Uh, it was very much in-person branch focused. So we d developed this whole technology leveraged offer. And when I started my coaching practice, I used those same learnings so that I could work with anyone anywhere. And uh, my husband and I moved from, we, we had a small vacation home up here in Sedona, Arizona. And our main home was Phoenix, where I could get to the airport and travel for corporate work. But when I started my own, we just came up here with the idea of we can, he could always work from home, but I could design this business to be a hybrid model. So I do have, I have clients in Arizona, I have a large network in Phoenix, Arizona, so quite a few clients there. But I, I work with clients, as I mentioned, in Canada, uh, California, the East Coast, as far away as Hong Kong. So I, I am able to deliver where I need to deliver. Uh, and so for some of my, some of my work, I work one-on-one -on -one with uh, executives and owners. I work with leadership teams. That work um, works really well in person in particular. Uh, and I also have an online course that people can take if they're like, oh, well, you know, I'm not sure if I'm ready to dive in full on, uh, working with me one-on-one, -on -one, et cetera. Um, I've, I put a lot of the, the, uh, coursework, the material that we've been developing the last four years onto an online format. Wow. So explain to some of the listeners as well, because I think when they see coaching, that's so, like you said, the direct one-on-one -on -one online thing, do you offer other services as well? I think I know on your website, you listed several dozen. So I think for some maybe that want to get into your space. You're like, oh my God, Ken's offering so much. I mean, I'm just trying to start. I mean, <laughs> so can you touch a little bit upon, uh, I guess, a couple of different services that you also offer? I think some business valuation was there. LinkedIn was there as well. That's right. So I, you know, I have, here's what I would tell anyone who wants to get into the coaching space is you have some things that you're really good at, some aspects of business that you're really great at. Those are the things that you would want to focus on. So, um, what, what I have added, I've added some materials that, um, that help me highlight what I'm naturally good at and the way that I can help owners and execs. Uh, so you mentioned LinkedIn. I'm a, I fashion myself a LinkedIn expert. Um, I joined LinkedIn five months after it was founded. So my anniversary date is October, 2003. I am member number 30,467 out of 700 and whatever million. Uh, yeah, it's very, just Google, how do I find my member number? You'll, it's usually the first hit. If you're curious about it, I was, so I did. Uh, so I'm an early adopter of technology. Uh, I'm very good in the plat, in the space, but then I'm also great at getting other people's material and work that I can use. And so, um, for LinkedIn, not only do, do I know it really well, but then, uh, my good friend, Colleen runs a business called Intero. And I um, license her intellectual property to coach my leaders, my businesses that I work very closely with on how to have a presence. A lot of people sort of have a, it's almost a benign neglect. They have a profile, they don't do anything with it. So they're kind of invisible. Uh, so that's number one. Number two, uh, business valuation. I brought that in this year because the reality is the first mistake most business owners make is they don't actually know how to exit it, right? They found it. And that's the sole focus. That's their energy. Something I know about entrepreneurs is they have a great idea. They launch a business. They absolutely work their butt off. And that's the formula for success. So I come in with some structure. And one of those structures is absolutely the business valuation. Uh, and then most recently, um, I'm also partnering. So there's, again, when I, for that organizational structure, there's also a component of um, how do I how do I get all the leadership team on the same track uh, with the same goals, et cetera, KPIs, et cetera. Um, so I have a software tool 
There's tons of them out there. If my clients don't have one, I have a partnership with Catapult so I can help them get set up and their leaders set up so that everyone's looking at the same information. Everyone agrees what the scorecard is. Everyone knows what success is and everyone shares values. Hey you, do you need a voiceover? Well, look no farther. Northway Capital Group has your answer. Commercials and explainer videos, AVR and voicemail, health and wellness, corporate training and e-learning, announcements, documentaries, and biography. Contact us on social media or email us at northwaycapitalgroup at gmail.com. You've been doing this a long time already and, uh, you know, going through the ebbs and flows of starting any type of business and everything like that. So in terms of your sales growth and profit, like, do you expect a, a big growth this year or, and what are your plans for the next, you know, several years? Sure. So this year, uh, already right out of the gate, January 1st has been my best year ever it, to, to a much larger degree. You know, I was blessed in that I have been in business long enough that I had a really powerful network that supported me when I launched. So the day I launched, I had clients. And even through COVID, I, I got down to a pretty slim number, yet I still always had clients. And I know not everybody can say that when they're launching a brand new business. So I'm super blessed in that respect. But yeah, this year will be the, the best year. It has, I've really gotten traction from all the marketing effort early on. And uh, we're seeing the effect of that now. Going forward, what were the grand plans? I know that there are people who would like to get into coaching that don't want to um, set up their own material, set, so on and so forth. So uh, I look to maybe have some independent coaches towards the end of the year, maybe early next year, people that want to do the business, but don't want to set it up the way I did. I'm happy to talk through that with them. And I also have a couple of ideas of, I know some execs all around the country who've got retirement, like semi-retirement in their future. And so they're talking to me about maybe coaching is for them. So, um, this year in particular, as far as growth, I will also, I have seen and, and am having conversations with clients that want to expand the relationship. So it was working with the owner leaders and now we want to say, okay, well, how do we bring the rest of the, the C-suite in, right? I still use corporate terms because, uh, so, you know, small business owners may not call themselves a CEO, but that's what they are. Right. We, we know that functionally. Um, the founder is often the whole C-suite, at least for the first year. <laughs> Pretty much. Yeah. Like it's funny you were talking about that too, Ken, is that, uh, like I work at a bank, you know, most of like full time. Right. So I yeah. noticed that, uh, I'd be seeing a lot of emails coming through about, you know, certain people are retiring from the bank. And I guess I'm a little bit old school where I'm thinking, oh, someone's retiring, whether it's early retirement or whatever. Okay. They're going to collect their pension because we're, you know, we're a bank and they're just going to be like, oh, just maybe traveling the world or just relaxing or something like that. Maybe take up a hobby. And then next thing I know, I find out some of them are like starting their own consulting firm of some way, shape or form. And I'm like, so you're not really retired, are you? It's just that uh, it, it, they still want to do something. And maybe the idea of sitting home and doing nothing maybe just scares them that they feel like they have to do something, whether it's utilizing their skill set or maybe venturing out into something totally different. Yep. You know, and what comes to mind right out of the gate is after COVID in particular, I think that's, you know, the great recession, those articles that we've all read from HBR and other great content producers, um, people are just thinking about retirement differently. They're thinking about employment differently. They're thinking about how you work from home in remote hybrid, et cetera. And, um, I think that employers and I encourage my clients to do the same of, you know, you don't need to hire everybody. You can use contractors to bridge gaps and give you some flexibility, right? Pretty easy to do. You can find some top talent and then see if they're a good mesh. And if they are, if you want them all the time, then you can have that conversation. I think there's a lot more flexibility in just about everything we do, retirement in particular of people maybe want four day weekends, but they don't want to be trying to fill all the days right away. Having had a very robust career. Yeah, no. uh, people are just rethinking a lot of that. Just like um, I know here, a lot of baby boomer uh, generation, their idea was I'm working forever. I'm just going to work forever, right? When I face plant and the keyboard, peel me up and send me home, but that's when I leave. And that's really changed. All of a sudden, uh, you know, a pandemic comes on. They're like, you know, maybe, maybe time with the grandkids is time better spent. 
So uh, I know from working with people around the globe, almost every business leader I know is searching to find really good people and for often very different reasons and at every level, entry level, uh, professional and ex very experienced level. Uh, there's just a lot of openings. Yeah, no, I, I hear that. And I know it's funny you're talking about like where they hire contractors. I know I did, I just did a recent episode just on, you know, looking at those services like Fiverr and other things. If you just need certain tasks done, whether you need like a one-time thing or maybe something a little on ongoing, whether it's like a virtual assistant or something like that, just to kind of keep you. Cause it's true. Like as the CEO and all listeners who have run their business, they are the CEO. I know you don't want to call yourself that, but you are is that you are basically juggling 50 balls in the air. You're the chief accountant, you're the chief marketing exec, you're the chief electrician, you're the chief chef. So you're basically doing everything. And it's nothing wrong getting help in certain aspects, right? So mm -hmm. I think, I don't know, some people feel that maybe they don't, they're reluctant to bring people on because, you know, they can't do it as well as I can, or they don't care as much as I do because it's, you know, my business, right? So I think it, if you really want to get to that next level, you need to know how to delegate efficiently so that yep. uh, so you can start focusing on growing the business as opposed to just making sure that it doesn't fall apart at this point, right? You're, you're trying to grow it and have a good foundation. Yeah. You know, it's, um, I'm sure Kenny already saw on the website, I call it the six keys to building those independent accountable teams. While number one is communicate, number two is delegate. Because the reality is entrepreneurs are really special. They had the idea, they took the risk, they worked so hard. And the idea that they're now going to hand it over to somebody, trust somebody to hold their baby. It's really hard. I, it's emotionally difficult, but I also know a really wonderful thing happens in, in that when you find people that share your mission value purpose, that they come up with some new and different ways and ideas of doing things that, that serve the business better than you might've expected business owners. Believe it or not, there's some people that are so driven by your mission, the one that you created, they will glom on and they'll think of ways to make it 10x better than you could have imagined, if you'll let them, if you'll let them. Now it's time for tips from the pro. When people think of like your coaching business and your consulting is, you know, they're thinking, okay, seems like a low cost of entry, but you've been doing this a while, Ken. So what's kind of been the biggest expense when you first started, you know, Leaders Cut? The biggest expense, the biggest uh, variable, uh, controllable expense that, that I invested in was marketing, for sure. I was lucky enough, within my first year, met some great contacts up here, one in particular that owned a marketing agency. And so I made the investment in that in particular because some of the costs are pretty low, right? The, um, the software that you need, you know, as long as you have a computer, a camera, that sort of thing, the hardware is not that expensive. The software is not that expensive. Uh, marketing is, is the expense. Um, but I'll tell you for everyone, every business owner, if you want to get into coaching in particular, it's no different than any other business. Great marketing is you're buying clients at a profit. That's at a profit, right? If it costs me, uh, making this up $500 for a lifetime value of 6,000, that's a great return. Right. You, then you take the, the 5,500 and you, you know, you invest a thousand, you get two new clients like that. That's how you need to think about marketing. Um, and the other component that I would tell anyone in terms of an expense is don't get too married to just one particular way of thinking about that marketing. You know, very early on, some of the first advice I got was, Hey, first of all, no one's going to your website. Great that you have one and it looks okay, but no one's going there and you're branded weird. So let's get the branding right and the look right. And then, um, and then there's a whole behind the scenes process that was never my forte in business. So I know where my, where my, um, blind spots, lack of experience, whatever you want to call it, but I seek out other experts, right? As a coach, experts hire experts, but this expert also hires the ones he needs to. One of which is definitely marketing. Yeah. And I think that that's a great point. Cause like, I'm not the greatest marketer either. Like I have marketing person who's actually a podcast guest, right? So he started his own digital marketing business and you know, he's been awesome. I'm actually a client of his as well now. And you know, I'm enjoying the, the relationship because it's true. I'm not a specialist in anything in particular in terms of, you know, marketing anything, right? It's like, okay, I got a website. All right. I got a, you know, LinkedIn, Facebook and Instagram profile. Great. 
now what do I do with it? Right. And mm-hmm. I'm not a graphic designer either. So it's interesting. Yeah. It's you outsource what you can within reason. Right. So if you have to learn it on your own, that's okay too. If you don't want to spend the money on it, but eventually if you really want to grow, you have to, like you said, learn to let go right on certain things. Absolutely. Excellent. So let's go to like, this is more about the industry itself. So what is kind of your opinion on like the coaching business right now? And where do you kind of see it going and forward? Well, um, I think it's, you know, it's, it's akin to the independent financial services industry. I think people are, are seeking out independence because they want people that will share, uh, share in their opinion, be very open in the conversation and they need the help. And, um, I think people are also realizing that business coaches are very similar in that, uh, we're independent thinkers. We all have specialties and I only see it growing. And I, and the best analogy I can give you is, is, you know, everyone has a favorite sport, I think. I mean, maybe I should say almost everyone, because then one person doesn't have one and I'm wrong, right? Nearly every person has a favorite sport. If you think about that, someone in that sport has won a championship of some kind. There's not a single championship winner of any sport anywhere on the planet that I know about that didn't have a coach involved to make sure they were performing at that level. So it's okay to be a, you know, weekend warrior, play a little football on the weekend. You're not going to win the Super Bowl without coaching and organizational structure and a plan for execution. And that's where business coaches come in. And that's why I think we're going to continue to be um, sought after, right? And it's great that there's a lot of us because the first step in finding somebody you want to work with is, do you have any chemistry? Do you trust each other, right? The, we always call that the beer test. Mm-hmm right? Two presidents ago, that was sort of the conundrum our press had was he wasn't doing well in the polls, but yet if you polled Americans on, Hey, uh, who would you rather have a beer with the beer question that they chose the person he wasn't rated highly on handling the economy or anything else, (laughs) but people liked him. So that's step one, right? First, do you have some chemistry? And then of course, do I, or the coach you're talking to have the expertise that you're looking for? You know, is that the background you really need? For instance, if you were looking for a marketing coach, that's not me. I hire those people. So that's not going to be my, my area of expertise. And the last part is where you're willing to commit to the effort, right? You wouldn't hire a personal trainer and then just never go to the gym. That makes no sense. Yeah. And I used to be a personal trainer back in my younger days as well. And, you know, when I, when I did my own business for personal training for like a few years, I always found that, uh, you know, when I, when I would try to talk to other trainers, and other ones starting their own thing. Some of them are very, they try to keep almost like their secrets close to their chest on why they, you know, they don't want to, I'm like, think about it this way. There's, let's say you typically work eight hours a day and let's say you have a client for, let's say six hours out of those eight hour days. That's six individual people. Let's, and this is back before like online and stuff like that. So you're kind of training maybe six to seven people a day. How many people are there in the world or in your area? So like, I don't understand why you can't share something because you can physically only train. Actually, you're, you're fit. You're fine. It's finite, right? You cannot do everybody, everything. So I say, I say, as long as you're open to like hearing new ideas and seeing what other people are doing. So I don't see a big deal with that because maybe now it's a little bit different because now you have the online space and then there's that online coaching and online personal training as well. But I, that this kind of, this question just came to me right now while you were kind of chatting about, you know, you know, getting out or not really getting out, but actually like sports, for example, what do you, do you see, I, I call it like the greatness level and I'll, I'll sound like that. So you have, you hear about the Michael Jordans, the Roger Federer's, you know, the Mannings in football, they keep winning multiple championships. And I guess mm-hmm. maybe I'm built a little different that if I, if I'm lucky enough to ever win one and I'm almost like, wow, I did it. And I could be, I can step away and say, you know what? I actually achieve what, what else you can achieve. But do you see that kind of mindset in some of your clients or some of the ones that they feel like, wow, so it's not a financial thing because these guys have been there already. They've achieved really good things, like awesome things like most of us can never do. But what is that drive that keeps them wanting to win that next championship? I think, first of all, they're tapped into what they're naturally great at. You know, I think there's way too much conversation about getting better at weaknesses, like mitigate them. 
and then focus on what you're great at. You know, the Einstein quote, if you judge a fish by its ability to climb a tree, it'll spend its whole life thinking it's stupid, right? It's a fish. So, um, when I work with entrepreneurs, they get that right away. They know what they're really good at. Michael Jordan knew what he was really good at. And he focused relentlessly on that and, um, invested himself in pursuit of it. So there's some focus, there's some habit work in there. There is some drive. Uh, I actually have a client. I have to tell him sometimes that not everyone can relate to him because of his drive. Right. It, you know, his premise is, gosh, if I can't, everyone can. I'm like, that doesn't, that doesn't follow. <laughs> Not everyone is willing to make that investment. And Ken, I'm sure, I'm sure all your guests, you know, well, we all chuckle at the notion of when someone finally sees, oh, well, you're really successful or you've had some success. The, the business owner always says to me the same thing. Yeah, it's an overnight success, 10 years in the making, right? There's a whole part of the story that that people aren't, um, are talking about the, all the, the time on the court practicing, all the videos, um, as a personal trainer, you know, you know, you can write the best programming, but if your clients don't go pick up the barbell, it's just never going to improve. And those fitness levels come over a long period of time, not simply, oh, I went to the gym this week. Well, this week, this month, this year, and so on. So it, one builds on the other. And, you know, we can't shy away from the idea that that investment, you know, building the foundation and then building on that success, that's how business works. That's how wellness works. That's how success works is you're building up on something. It's not an overnight thing. It's not a one-time thing. Excellent. So now we'll go back to the industry here. Like, is there any, I guess, common misconceptions that people don't know about the coaching space, right? Because I guess a lot of them think, oh, it looks, it looks seems to be simple or, you know, you're just trying to motivate people or whatever, <laughs> but what are some of the inner workings that for those that uh, maybe are about to get into it, or maybe just curious about it, that don't really know about all these different things that actually go on when you're running coaching business? Yeah. Um, I, well, it's sort of the same misconception people who have never used a business coach. They think of it as, oh, are we just going to talk once a week or once every other week? And that's it. Right. Well, no. That's where we sync up and have our, it's sort of like in your company, you have a weekly meeting, but then there's the other 167 hours of the week that you have to execute coaching's the same way. What I would suggest to most coaches, uh, at least a lot of the coaches I've talked to, and I know run great practices, we, we never think of our, our coaching fee as an hourly, like you pay me this and you get this number of appointments. It's more of a retainer. Sure. We commit to a session each week. And, uh, I expect and am pinged by clients, um, text, quick phone calls, quick check-in meetings, stuff happens. I mean, business moves fast. So, uh, what I would tell all coaches is if you want to be a great coach, then you're selling your expertise and access. You are a support structure, especially for small business owners that can feel a little isolated and they want that direct, um, that direct sounding board, et cetera. It is the access that will make you a great coach and you'll love it. I mean, there's nothing, um, I don't think there's anything better than when clients are, they count on me and then they know that they can count on me and I help them as a sounding board and a few other things, make some really great decisions that helps their business, that helps their community, that helps all the, uh, all the team members that work in their business. Uh, next question I got for you on, uh, based on the industry is, you know, when people look at your site, they watch your videos, they see your postings, they're like, wow, Ken's really got it all together. And I'm not talking about this Ken, I'm talking about the guest Ken that we have right now from Ken Kilda. Like, so what has been in your journey so far, your biggest failure, but also your biggest success so far? You know, I, my biggest success uh, is that I'm a natural relationship builder. I like people. I enjoy it. I mean, that almost sounds trite. I'm a people person. I'm, I'm invested in other people. Um, the way one of my, one of my reports said it to me one time is she said, I have never worked for anyone that expected more of me in the service of everyone else on the team and supported me more in that pursuit. And I thought, that's great. That's, that's it. Right. I'm, I'm willing to work. I would never ask anyone to work harder than I work. The failure has come where not everyone is open to having a relationship, right? Not everyone wants to build a trust environment. Some people are just very motivated with climbing a ladder 
and uh, getting act, right, getting that praise and, and reward and um, taking the credit, et cetera. And I don't mesh well with that. So I've, you know, there have been friction moments with a few people in my career that, um, that I regret. I feel like there was, you know, in my head, I was always like, God, why can't we just not talk it through? Because um, that is not the communicate. That is not the language we're each speaking. We're speaking just very different languages. So that's been you know a real disappointment here and there along the way. Yeah, and that, but it's also been a great yeah, lesson. But I think that's so. the great thing about like the podcast that I want people to hear the real stuff, not just like oh my company's growing and I'm doing all these flashy things. But it's nice to hear like okay, I did struggle at times with different things, and that's what makes it more real. Because if it was all if we just went off a marketing brochure of a franchise to say here's all the great stuff about it. And they don't talk about anything of the issues you're going to see. Oh, yeah. You know, you're kind of going in assuming oh, what, what could possibly go wrong. And then you find out. And that's why we like having experts like yourself to say, here are the landmines. If you want to get into this coaching space. So you just got to be careful of these when you're doing it. And, you know, I think that's what we're going to just transition right now into is our tips from the pro segment. So now you touched upon this already. You said, uh, cause what has been the biggest mistake most of your small business clients are making. I think I know you did one point where they said is they don't have an exit strategy. They just want to run it till they collapse. What else? Uh, second thing that they don't have a strategic plan uh, outside of what they're thinking in their head. They they operate on a day by day basis. It's not necessarily one that they've crafted and is you know written that everyone else knows about. Okay, so not thinking. I yep. think strategic plan. planning. Where are we going? What are we doing? How are we doing? Exactly. It? Okay, perfect. So how do you keep yourself educated on the current trends in the coaching space? Like, do you have like websites you go to or you have membership sites or market intelligence sites that, uh, you know, someone who wants to get into this space could go to for great reference material? Uh, sure. Well, first, you know, there's a ton of great books out there. One of the hardest parts, if, if anyone's listening and you're thinking about being a coach and you're a social person like I am, one of the hardest aspects is being in an office by yourself for a big chunk for a while, while you're building a clientele and developing your material. But one way you can use that time is uh, TED Talks and great business books from a, the, the sheer uh, volume of phenomenal information and the best subscription that I, um, that I got very early on was Harvard business review. Uh, they are just, they're astounding and they're, they're paid of the stuff that's behind the paywall. Unbelievable. It's just, it's worth every single penny that you could possibly, um, invest in F for my whole career, um, in leadership, I've been reading leadership books. So, you know, the Jim Collins, any, any, any good ones you can recommend those leadership books there, your, your favorites. Yep. Yeah. The Jim Collins series, uh, built to last. And so all the built to last, how the mighty fall, all of those, his whole series is phenomenal. Uh, Brene Brown, the, uh, dare to lead in her whole series. Amazing. If you go to my website or read some of my quick tip blogs, there are a couple of, of books in particular that, um, I continue to reference depending on what's, you know, what people are struggling with. From a communication standpoint, uh, you just, you have to read Susan Scott's fierce conversations. Mm -hmm. The quicker you get brave at conversations, the better your business is going to run. And the, and if you're a coach, the better your coaching practice is going to run. Because if you, as a coach, if you can't have fierce conversations, straightforward conversations that are, that are safe and kind, then, um, you're going to really struggle as a coach. All right. We talked about like, uh, how you keep educated and stuff like that. So let's talk about different niches within the coaching space. Like, do you see, like, if someone's coming in new, is there any like smaller coaching niches that maybe someone consider that could give them some immediate or short-term, uh, growth that, uh, someone can start in? Uh, certainly, um, mine was quite organic in the way that it developed. So I, I had two sources of, uh, industry, if you will, that were coming to me. One was financial services because I'd spent 20 years there. So, and, and because I had also led teams across the country, uh, I knew people across the country and around the world just from the virtue of, you know, people always, again, we talked earlier about, they see the end result, but that's, you know, 20 years of networking. It's 20 years of being, 19 years of being on LinkedIn, those sorts of things. So a lot of financial services people came my way. 
But the, the other interesting part was I was and am part of the CrossFit community. And for whatever reason, a lot of entrepreneurs are CrossFitters. And so, um, my CrossFit family, um, knew that I was launching a business. They were connected to me on all the social media channels. And so, uh, my entrepreneurs all came out of the CrossFit community and they also all happened to understand coaching. They're paying for it, um, in their fitness journey. So it was very natural for them to also to, uh, find the same kind of coaching in their business journey. Yeah, well, that's so interesting because I had one of my guests, actually, she does like an online coaching, uh, for fitness mainly, but, uh, she noticed that her clientele was more like the, you know, 45 to 50 year old, more female, you know, more adult. Mm -hmm. But she said in the beginning, she was getting a lot of, uh, requests from like, you know, badminton teams for fitness coaching and wow. So I think that's why some people think when they think coaching, they're thinking, okay, we're, you're not going to Mark Zuckerberg or Jeff Bezos to tell them how to do their business, right? That's probably, maybe you shouldn't, you could aim for that in the future, but maybe we don't start with the big companies first. Right. Start with the mom and pop chefs who said, like you said, haven't really organized all their thoughts and they don't have a structure. They just know their business and you're just there to really kind of guide them and, you know, make them accountable to it. So, cause it's easy when you're the owner and you're the boss that, if you don't hit a personal target, you're like, okay, whatever. Right. But once you have some numbers to the metrics that you have to start to drive towards, you're like, okay, I got, I got to be someone's there holding me accountable. Right. Because they don't own my business. It's me, but they're keeping me, you know, making sure I still say what I wanted to believe. Right. So that's, that's, that's right. good to hear. So all right, next question here. So as an, as a newcomer, should I bill hourly or should I have monthly rates or a retainer? Uh, I'm a fan of retainer, but, uh, I'm also, you know, when I first started, I created packages like, Hey, you know, you can, we can go month to month or, you know, you buy a year, I'll give you a year up front as a discount year paid monthly is a different rate. And, and, uh, I watched behavior plus read a lot on coaching and pricing and that sort of thing. By the way, pricing's all over the map. Uh, but what I've come to is, uh, I just do a monthly, right? It's, I have a, a setup fee cause the front end is usually where, where all that initial work and extra time and effort comes in. And then what we really gain steam, but then we just go month to month because not a lot of business owners want contracts. They just don't want them. And the reality is as a coach, if, uh, if you've got some friction and you're just not getting along, you don't want somebody locked into a contract with you. You just don't want that. And they don't want it. Um, so I've found that the business owners I'm working with, they just love the idea of going month to month and they can stop whenever they want to. And then in practice, what I, what I would tell anyone is, you know, usually, um, uh, people stay with me. Hey, do you need an error-free website? Do you need transcriptions that's accurate and on time? Would you like to remove noise from your video or audio recording? Do you need a spokesperson for your business? If so, we can help. At Northway Capital Group, we are happy to announce that we are now providing website testing services, audio transcriptions, and audio cleanup, as well as spokesperson services. We would love to help you on your next project. Contact us for more information at northwaycapitalgroup at gmail.com. Do you have a small business story to share? The SME Stories Podcast is looking for entrepreneurs to share their tales of success, failure, and everything. If you're interested in being a guest on our show or know someone would be a great fit, please contact us at northwaycapitalgroup at gmail.com. That's northwaycapitalgroup at gmail.com. Yeah, I think, it's, I think it's kind of scary too, especially if you're billing, let's say, hourly. Like, especially that someone's just started and they don't know how much, because obviously you're, when you're as a coach, you may only meet, like you said, meet with them once a week, but you're kind of, especially that setup that, that, uh, has a lot of time. You're really going through all the nooks and crannies and maybe asking very sensitive questions to the owner that they, maybe they don't either want to say or not comfortable saying, because it's like, you know, if I have, if I say it out loud, that means I'm going to have to make sure it actually happens. Right. And now this person is who I'm going to be paying good money for is going to make sure that I stay on task kind of thing. So it's kind of that, you know, they're afraid to say whatever that monthly retainer is that looks like I'm afraid of putting, you know, several thousand dollars per month. Cause then that might scare off everything. But then I guess you, you're not trying to do everybody, right? You're trying to look for the good one. And, you know, you made the point earlier of people who try to 
protect and think scarcity and hold on to their trade secrets or what have you. The reality is there's 8 billion people in the world, not quite seven point, whatever it is. Uh, some of my left brains don't like it when I do the about number, but anyway, um, uh, I can't handle that many clients. <laughs> there's plenty of sunshine for everybody. So that's how I look at it is, yeah. um, I will get to work with some, I, I do, and we'll get to work with some amazing people. I can't work with everyone. So if there's not a fit early on, I'm okay with that. I have introduced prospective clients to other coaches because they were looking for a niche that I don't serve. What, and that's also a good thing. That's even a potential revenue for yourself. If you had a great relationship with fellow coaches and there's referral things that you can work out. And for some reason, if it doesn't work for you, this person works better in this environment with this person, Hey, they might give you a, maybe they'll give you a fruit basket for Christmas or something <laughs> as a thank you. Right. Cause I think I, my last episode, I did a solo episode was on knowing your numbers and talking about, you know, not just what the client brings in. Like you can, every business owner should know if I sit down with you and say, okay, who's your biggest client? They'll say, okay, it's this person. How much do they usually bring in per year? I'm sure they're going to be able to say it. Have they referred anybody? They shouldn't know something. Oh yeah. they. And how much did they bring in? So then it's not just your single client. You're seeing how much money that client is bringing into me, but is giving me almost that residual income. I won't call it residual, but secondary income from referrals that they've sent out. So that's always something that's uh, very interesting to hear. So. All right. Next question here is for an online coach. Is there any like insurance or any special insurance that you have to get when you're going to be running your own business? I suppose it depends on the kind of coaching you're doing for what I'm doing. I don't carry an additional types of lines like an E and O insurance. Uh, I know all of my financial advisor clients, um, and such, uh, that are not corporate, of course, carry their in their E and O insurance just to make sure that they're covered. Should anyone uh, get libelous with them. But, um, given the kind of coaching that I'm doing, I don't carry those extra lines. I mean, I have my own liability type stuff, but, um, but people don't come to my, I, this is a home office, obviously, and people don't come here. Uh, however, I do go to their, their offices, their places of business. And so they carry the proper lines for having a physical address. What has been the funniest business story you've had so far since running your company? Funniest business story. God, there has to be a couple of, oh, a couple of prospects. It's, it's kind of funny when people, they'll, they'll schedule an appointment, but really they just want to debate. <laughs> like they want me to convince them that they need me. Like, that's not really how that works. Yeah. This no, is, this uh, is not a political conversation, right? Yeah. It's like, if you're, if the question is, do I need you? Or, or like they're trying to pick at all of your credentials and saying, okay, well, can you do this? Can you do that? I'm like, okay, so are you, do you want help? Or are you just <laughs> trying to like, you know, find out I'm not, I'm not running for mayor. I'm not running for governor or anything like right. that, that you're trying to like find stuff on. So, okay. That's interesting where they, yeah. they don't call to say, I need help. They're saying, can you really do it? Yeah. Can you yeah. They really it? want to plug it. <laughs> Another interesting one was I, I met with this fella and we just, we knew we weren't a match. Philosophically, we just were not a match. He's very proud of the 80 hours a week he works. I put works in air quotes. My challenge back is why is it taking you 80 hours to do 50 hours of work? Because I bet that's what it is. And uh, he, he presented with his problem was these kids today don't want to work. I said, how are you expecting them to be there when you're there? Well, yeah. Why wouldn't they be? Hey, yeah, you're not going to find people like that. That yeah. ship sailed. <laughs> yeah. Uh, listens to books at, you know, 3x the speed so he can read, listen more. Like, yeah, we're not going to fit, bud. <laughs> Wrong coach. You, you ever heard of uh, Vince McMahon, the owner of the uh, world of WWE? Or used to be WWF back in the day? Now that you tell me who it is, yes, I've heard of him. But I wouldn't have picked that out of a multiple no, choice test. <laughs> about him, he is one of those 80-hour-a-week guys. Right. And all of his kids were part of the wrestling biz or like the yeah. promotional business, whatever. And I remember hearing in an interview that, uh, I guess, what is the one regret you'll have when you die? I think one of his regrets is that I'm going to die being angry because I feel there's still so much left to do. Yeah. Now, this is a guy who's almost, who's almost, I don't think he's almost in his 80s. Almost. He works out every single day. Jim, he's a gym freak every single day. He sleeps maybe three to four hours a day, which 
I think those are very few and far between, Ken. Am I safe yeah. to assume that today's generation, including us, I don't think I want to be working 80 hours a week. You know, that's... Yeah, and I would differentiate, right? Um, there's working in your passion where it doesn't feel like work. I do have a client like that. But he also recognizes, he, to him, it's fun. He enjoys it. He has fun. By the way, when he's working, it's not unusual to see him on his sofa with one or more of his five kids curled up next to him. So he is dad extraordinaire. Does, if they need to engage, does he put it down? Yeah, if they just want to snug and do their own thing near dad, they do. And I would use that as a frame of, um, I'm not talking about the um, executive that for, for face value, right? They're the first one and the last one out only because they want to be seen that way. That's a really different driver than a lot of my entrepreneurs who um, their business is their life. It is their fun. It is their hobby. So, uh, well, yeah. For those who can do it, that's great. Yeah. I mean, I think I, I enjoy 40 hours. I'm, I'm good with that. I don't know if I need to do more <laughs> and stuff like that. So, okay. So how do you balance the work life, especially for what are your tips for the work life person for the new coach that's trying to start their thing? Because obviously I, I think a great quote that I heard from one of my guests is that people try to run a marathon at a sprint's pace. Mm-hmm which is you're going to burn out super fast. So how do you do it with your life? Yeah, um, I have my own priorities, right? And uh, I too am a gym person. I, I still have a CrossFit coach that writes all my programming for me. Um, so I CrossFit three days a week. I mountain bike two days a week. Um, and that comes my, for me, workout comes for the rest. So, um, you know, I have to take care of the, the physical me, the vessel or I won't be able to keep up my energy to run my practice and be my best for my clients. Uh, the other part is when you're first setting up to be really intentional. So as you know, a lot of my coaching that I do with business owners is helping with that organizational structure, making sure I always think of structure as your skeleton, right? There's, we all have 206 bones, absent illness or injury, yet every human, even twins are 100% unique from one another. So, um, the giving people that skeleton is critical and having one and prioritizing Stephen Covey and the rocks, right? Always making sure that the thing that I'm doing is the most important thing I could be doing to first take care of me and then take care of the, the business, which is taking care of my clients. Now it's time for the rapid fire round. Okay. So Ken. Would you rather put ketchup or ranch dressing on everything you eat? Ranch. Ranch? I, I would like to caveat that. I would say maybe ranch, but I'd put it on the side. So, that <laughs> so if I'm having ice cream or cereal or something, I'm not going to be putting ranch dressing on that. But anyway, the second one is also related to food. If you could have your own sandwich, what is in it and what is it called? Ooh. Well, it would have, um, I love cheese and I love like pastrami, prosciutto, all the cured meat. I love cured meat and strong cheese. That's what would be on it. The Ken. The Ken. <laughs> Put that on the shirt. I would love that. <laughs> you make that as part of your next thing. I'll buy one. Definitely. Okay. So <laughs> what would the 15 year old self be thinking you'd be doing right now? Oh, 15 year old. He thought by then I thought I was going to be an architect. I actually went to architecture school. Okay, pretty cool. And next one also on the kids is, what posters did you have on your wall when you were a kid? As a kid, um, I think I had um, uh, Prince. I was a huge Prince fan. I was a huge Tina Turner fan. So those were, as a teenager, that's what I had on my wall. And then later in college, I had new kids on the block. <laughs> nice. I used to like them when I was a kid. Yeah. I didn't have posters. My sister had a book. And when I was a kid, I had like wrestling posters. You know, that's why I asked you about Vince McMahon, the WWF back then. I had wrestling posters on, but I always mm. found that interesting. So who would you most like to sit next to on a 10 hour flight and why? Oh, I would still, I would love to, love to sit next to Tina Turner and have a conversation that has nothing to do with her past with Ike. <laughs> yes. Just asking about anything really that's, Oh, mm -hmm. That's really good. All right, last question on the rapid fire round there, Ken. What is your theme song and why? So you're walking down the sidewalk, 
This song hits. Oh, uh, people hear it, they know Ken's coming. Yeah, Justin Timberlake suit and tie. Really? Yeah. For nice. for a very long time, um, uh, clothing in particular, especially financial services, especially start when you're when you're younger. When I was younger, uh, I looked even younger than my age at at the time, and so I always used that as my armor, as my protection. And um, now that I have my own business, I almost never wear a suit and tie unless that's what my client wears. And just very few people do that anymore. I'm doing this just for you there. Just a nice shirt and a nice jacket with a little lapel. That's all I had <laughs> on there. A little pocket square just for you, Ken. Awesome. So where can people find you if they want to reach out for your services and say, Ken, I need coaching or just if they have any questions in general? Yeah. KenKilday.com. Every link is at KenKilday.com. You can schedule text me, email me, and then all the social media links are also at my website. All right. Thanks for being on here, Ken. It was great. All right. That was our episode with Ken Kilday. And I don't know about you guys, but I learned a lot from that episode. I guess a few things that stood out to mind when uh, doing the interview with, the, with, with Ken is actually how refreshing it is to actually hear that your, his significant other, his husband, actually pushed him into maybe starting his own thing. And I think that's sometimes when we look at starting to our own business, we might have a partner who may not be 100% supportive of the idea because let's say we are working a typical nine to five position. So the idea of leaving that practice to start something that is totally new, totally on your own kind of thing was something that uh, is, is not really heard of that people would say, okay, let's do it. But it was nice to hear that his husband actually pushed him into it and, and look how this look how uh, great uh, Ken's business practice is. Like it's very big. He has clients almost all over the world. He has it obviously in the U.S., but he has it in Canada and Hong Kong. And, you know, so he's really expanding his reach. So I think for what we can figure out is, you know, start your business, try to get as much buy-in support from your significant other as you can. And obviously... My, my, my advice, and I think Ken's as well, is to make sure you run it in parallel until you see how the fruits of your labor are working. If it's being very successful and you want to move on, great. If it's not where you want it to be, you can still keep going and still keep your day job. So that was one of the things that I kind of noticed about that. But I think the next thing that I noticed as well is uh, to really focus in on uh, is to, is to, I guess I would say, not try to be a jack of all trades, a master of none, but I think a lot of business owners nowadays, we focus a lot on trying to be there on social media for almost every single social media platform. And we try to do, we try to be an expert in Facebook, an expert in Instagram, an expert in TikTok, expert in Pinterest, all these different things. But, uh, you know, you're trying to, you're, you're, you're putting your brand out there just for the sake of doing it. So what I think what was unique about what Ken was doing is that you saw, you, you heard him. He was like the 30,000th member of LinkedIn. And what he decided to do was leverage that and really become an expert in that niche. Does he put stuff out on other different social media platforms? Yeah, he does. But his focus is LinkedIn. And now to the point that he has so much, he's done it, he's used the tool so much that he is now offering that service to other clients. So something like that you can really think about as well, especially if you're in the social or the creative space and the social media space is to think about, maybe I can pick one of these media platforms. Yes, I can still post on everything else, but really zone in on one that uh, I really enjoy doing. And maybe that is something I can offer my, offer a service like that offer, maybe in my consulting practice that maybe I can do, or just put as an, a value add service that you can give your current clients. And then you build up enough, then that can totally be a, a big part of your service offerings to the regular uh, masses. So, all right, guys, I hope you enjoyed the episode. I enjoyed recording it and we'll see you on the next one. Thank you for listening to the SME Stories podcast, which is owned by Northway Capital Group. Please follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Northway Capital Group.